We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 235 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Tonight, I am going to be flying solo, but that doesn't mean I don't have a phenomenal show lined up for you this evening. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about is uh, the four free agents that Green Bay recently signed had the opportunity to kind of take a deep dive into each of these players from a contract standpoint, from a film standpoint, and just kind of really go over what they're each going to bring to Green Bay and what their contract structure really means for Green Bay going into 2019 as well into as well as into 2020. Uh, these are four very exciting players to study, and I know we've kind of all as a fan base been really excited about adding these four players specifically to the roster and, and kind of taking a look at what they're going to bring to the team. So I want to jump right in. I'm kind of going to go in order of the uh, order that they were announced when Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst decided to make these transactions. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Let's get started with Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith is 26 years old, 6'4", 272 pounds, played in 58 of his last 64 games. Uh, This past year, he had eight and a half sacks, 25 quarterback hits, 45 tackles, two passes defended, one forced fumble, and really is coming off one of the best seasons of his career and arguably the best season of his career. 
I always like to take a look at RAS and what RAS is, is it is a metric that basically measures athleticism between athletes relative to their size. And I think it's a very good metric. And if you kind of look back at what Brian Gutekunst has done in the last couple drafts, this certainly seems like a similar metric that he uses to kind of look at overall athleticism and how he kind of wants to build this roster in that type of image. So when I'm looking at that for Zadarius Smith, he had a 3.75 relative athletic score as a edge rusher, which is fairly low and uh, something that would be a little bit of a surprise, but he actually had an 8.3 relative athletic score as an interior defender, which is interesting, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Um, Pro Football Focus, if you're interested in their grade, had an overall grade of 71.7 this past season. When I kind of looked at him and watched him on tape, I saw a lot of traits that are very, very exciting. I saw really fast hands. I saw a quick first move off the line of scrimmage. He's got fantastic athleticism. I know that RAS score off the edge, the 3.75, you know, doesn't scream super athletic. But when I watch him on tape, he is certainly somebody that plays fast. And we hear all the time about players who may test fast and others who play fast. Of course, you always want the guys that play fast. And Zadarius Smith absolutely does that. So I have no questions about his athleticism whatsoever. He has a fantastic effort and fantastic motor. I saw one play in particular where he's lined up on uh, the right side of the field as a a right side edge rusher, and he screams about 30, 35, maybe 40 yards downfield on the exact opposite side of the field on a beeline uh, to make a tackle well down the field and uh, make sure that he gets his guy down and did not give up on the play by any stretch of the imagination. And there are multiple plays like that that you will see on film from Zadarius Smith. So very high effort, very high motor. Uh, Does show the ability to drop in coverage a little bit. Certainly not something that you're going to want to do a ton with him, uh, but he has the athleticism to do that. You're not going to want him to cover a running back one-on-one in the open field. Same thing with a tight end. Uh, But if you want to drop him into his zone, he's certainly athletic enough uh, to man his zone, and uh, he batted down a couple passes this past year as well. Uh, So that was certainly something that was evident. As Ross Uglum pointed out on Twitter earlier this week, uh, using the term chess piece is is a little bit overrated, uh, but as Ross also pointed out, Zadarius Smith is absolutely a chess piece on defense. He's somebody that can be used at either edge spot, uh, and he can be used on the interior as well. And that's where I mentioned that that relative athletic score on the interior is something that really stands out. That's where he wins a lot. If you're going to get a lot of pressures and a lot of sacks, from Zadarius Smith. Uh, I think it's going to come a lot from the interior of the defense. And I think that's a a little bit noteworthy, right? Because you've got your Kenny Clarks, you've got your Mike Daniels, and and you've got some great depth there as well with Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, uh, Tyler Lancaster, certainly not as a pass rusher, but another guy who can play on the interior. So if Zadarius Smith is going to play inside on passing downs, that ultimately kind of takes Mike Daniels or Kenny Clark, one of the two off the field, and doesn't necessarily fix your edge rusher problem. So I think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that he can't win off the edge and he can't win outside, because I definitely think that he can. But on tape and when you start looking at his sacks, he he performed better on the interior on passing downs. He's also been somebody that is a little bit more of that nickel slash dime rusher. 
he hasn't certainly put in a, a season where you know he's he's the full time defensive starter and he's going to play a thousand to twelve hundred snaps in a season. So um, you know Green Bay is giving a fairly big contract here to a player who had kind of one really great season. Uh, certainly has some great traits on tape, but maybe has a couple of those question marks as well. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm not being too nitpicky here. There's a lot to like on tape. I actually go back to Trey Flowers a little bit here. Before the free agency period, I took a, a pretty deep dive into Trey Flowers to see what he could potentially bring to the bring to the Packers. And one of the things that I noted with Trey Flowers as well is while he's a very good edge defender, where you see him get a lot of his pressures was from the interior. And again, I mentioned the same thing with Zadarius Smith. I actually kind of like Zadarius Smith a little bit more uh, from a from an overall pass rush standpoint and what he can bring to a defense from a playmaking standpoint, I think Trey Flowers is certainly a better full-time player, somebody that's going to be able to play the 1,200, 1,300 snaps, however many you need. He's going to be able to set the edge for you and then also uh, you know, have that pass rush ability from the inside. Uh, but uh, for for the contracts and the, and the contrast between Trey Flowers and Zadarius Smith and the deals that they both got, I actually like the value for Zadarius Smith just a little bit more. So I think that's a comparison, certainly with Trey Flowers being in the division with the Detroit Lions. I think Think that's going to be something to keep an eye on going forward as well. Taking a quick deep dive into Zadarius Smith's contract, he got a four-year $66 million deal with a $20 million signing bonus and $20 million guaranteed at signing. All of that was, in fact, that signing bonus. In 2019, he's going to make $7.25 million, so a very low cap hit in 2019. In 2020, that jumps up to an additional $10 million, so he's going to make $17.25 million in 2020. He's then going to make $20.75 million in 2021 and $20.75 million again in 2022. Now, Green Bay has basically baked out in their contracts in 2021 and 2022 with all of these contracts that we're going to be discussing today. Basically, what you see from a Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball contract with these players is a very low first year. So again, here we've got a $7.25 million cap hit, uh, but then it immediately, uh, it immediately takes a jump in year two, in this case up to 17.25, and then it kind of stays steady or just increases a little bit. So it then jumps to 20.75 in 2021 and 20.75 in 2022. But as I mentioned, Green Bay can get out of those contracts. So in 2021, in this case for Zadarius Smith, they can basically buy that contract out for what would be what would amount to $10 million. So they have the choice in 2021 of basically paying him $20.75 million to play or $10 million not to play. Um, the same thing happens in 2022 again. In that case, they have the option of paying him $20.75 million to play or $5 million not to play, basically to release him. So if you kind of look at that in a different mindset, if you kind of switch it just a little bit, what that amounts to is that if they would keep him for one year, which all of these contracts are basically guaranteed two-year contracts, but if they were to keep him one year, they would pay him $22.25 million total just to play that one season. If he stays here two seasons, he'll get $34.5 million. If he stays here three seasons, he'll get $50.25 million. And if he stays here four seasons, he'll get $66 million. That two-year 
window is really the interesting one. So that's where they have that out where they can kind of make that decision. Um, if they were to only keep him for two years, they would pay him $34.5 million at a total of $17.25 million per year. So while that first year of the contract is only $7.25 million, there is a significant cost built within this deal. And it's basically like they're paying him $17.25 million for this year and next year. So two years, again, $34.5 million. But just kicking some of this year's salary cap, some of that, that extra $10 million down the line a little bit, kind of putting it in those option years. So that's how that contract's structured. You're going to see a very similar structure with the rest of the contracts that we go through as well. So it's worth noting they get a really great deal on it this year, but there certainly is a price to be paid for that down the road. There has been a lot of discussions that Green Bay front-loaded a lot of these contracts. That is not the case at all. San Francisco, interestingly enough, did a phenomenal job of front-loading their contracts and basically putting no guaranteed money after the first year of the contracts. I'm really going to be keeping an eye on how they they you know kind of continue with that as they go on uh, further with John Lynch and, and that regime with Kyle Shanahan to see if that's something that they continue that's something that I personally really like teams doing, but we'll see how both of these pay off for both of the teams. And again, you kind of keep an eye on how, how Russ Paul and Brian Gutekunst has set these up. Very minimal first year, and then it immediately jumps and continues to get higher as the years go on. All right, that brings us to Adrian Amos. Uh, he will now wear number 31, he announced today. I should have should mention as well as Darius Smith mentioned that he's going to be wearing number 55. Uh, so for those of you who are interested in what numbers they're going to be wearing, we've at least got those two figured out. Uh, Adrian Amos is 25 years old. He is six foot tall, 214 pounds. He has played in 60 of his past 64 games. Uh, this past year, he massed 73 tackles, one sack, two interceptions, and nine passes defended. He had a 8.77 relative athletic score, so very high for a safety. And this past season, he had an 82.7 grade from Pro Football Focus. Some of my notes uh, from the tape that I watched of him, uh, he's very versatile. This is something that's going to come up with all of these players. Uh, Chicago did a great job of using him everywhere. I think maybe some of the, the talk going in was that he's more of a box safety that's simply not the case. He was used all over the field. In fact, uh, he was used more as a free safety this past year than he was uh, as a strong safety. Uh, they, I kind of view Adrian Amos as a a co-safety, if you will. He can mirror the other safety that's on the field very, very well and do a little bit of everything, so very versatile. He can absolutely play that box safety role and play it at a very high level. He can blitz. He can play slot in a pinch. You do not want him covering, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, slot receivers, quicker running backs, uh, really agile tight ends on a a down-by-down basis. But can he do it from time to time? He absolutely can, um, as long as the offense isn't sort of expecting it going into the play. He can play that back center of the field. Uh, He certainly has that ability. He can play cover two very well. He comes up and tackles very aggressively in a good way, not in a bad way. He's actually a very, very safe player, somebody that you certainly feel comfortable with as the last line of defense. He takes very good angles to the football. I thought that he had very good instincts and his read and react ability uh, is something that stood out to me as well. He reads the play well and and doesn't hesitate reacting to the play. 
That's been something that's kind of plagued the Packers safeties over the course of you know the past few years, to say the least. And I think that's going to certainly be a welcome addition. And then lastly, for for somebody that calls himself Smash, he certainly doesn't you know <laughs> call himself that for no reason. He is not afraid to lay a hit. And again, this is all in a um, in a very conservative way. He's a, he's an aggressive player, but he does so when he knows that he can do it. He's not taking chances overrunning a play, putting his head down to try to tackle someone and completely whiffing on them. He is a very sure player on the back end of the defense. So a lot of things really to like on tape. Um, Again, you're never going to see him uh, super fleet of foot in coverage, but again, he can hang. So that's something that's going to have to be kept an eye on. And I think when when people look at Adrian Amos, I, I think some people might think that they're getting this Pro Bowl or All Pro level type safety, and that this is a really huge signing for the Packers. And it unquestionably is a very good deal and a very good signing for Green Bay. But I think you know, I think the ceiling is probably maybe you know one Pro Bowl in the next three to four years, um, and I don't even know that I necessarily expect that. He's a really good football player. I don't think he's necessarily ever going to be great, but I'm interested to see what Mike Pettin's going to do with him. And I do think it's interesting that he was really on a, a solid progression as the the main safety for that Bears defense before they happened to draft Eddie Jackson. So he's going to have the opportunity to kind of be the guy as the, the safety in this defense. And uh, I think he may respond to that very, very well. So something to keep an eye on. From a contract standpoint, Four years, $36 million, $11 million signing bonus, and $12 million guaranteed. Uh, what that equates to is a $5.94 million deal in 2019. Again, pretty relative low cost for this upcoming season, but then you immediately get that jump to $9.4 million in 2020 a $10.05 million deal in 2021, and a $10.65 million deal in 2022. Again, Green Bay has built those outs within the contract. So in 2021, they'll have the choice to either pay him $10.05 million to play or $5.5 million not to play and get out of that contract. And then in 2022, again, $10.65 million to play, or they can get out of it by basically paying him $2.75 million not to play. So again, if you're looking at it from how much they would pay him by how many seasons he could potentially pay in Green Bay, uh, play in Green Bay, excuse me, if he plays just that one year in Green Bay, it would be $14.15 million. If he plays two seasons in Green Bay, it'd be $20.8 million total. If he plays three seasons, they'd pay him $28.1 million. And if he plays all four, he would get, of course, that four years, $36 million in total for uh, his contract. So um, again, that, that two-year deal, what you'd potentially be looking at there if they, they kind of bought it out at the end, would be two years, $20.8 million at 10.4 mil per season. So that could be kind of the real cost of that deal, depending on how Adrian Amos plays for the Packers. Moving forward, let's take a look at Preston Smith. Preston Smith is 26 years old. He is a 6'5", 265-pound edge rusher, of course, coming over from Washington. He has played in 64 of his last 64 games, amounting 53 tackles, 4 sacks, 5 tackles for loss, 16 quarterback hits, an interception, and 3 passes defended this last season. His relative athletic score, 9.72, so massively athletic coming out of college and how he tested at the Combine. Uh, This past year, Pro Football Focus gave him a 76.9 grade. 
and what I saw was a big physical edge defender. This is somebody that is going to set the edge very, very well. You are not going to want to run at him on a consistent basis. And when you look at early downs, if you're going to put Preston Smith on one side, and then you know you could even potentially put like a Dean Lowry if you wanted a bigger type edge player on the other side. I'm not saying necessarily standing up, uh, but that could be a player you could play on the other edge. And then you could put you know whether it be a Kenny Clark, a Mike Daniels, a Tyler Lancaster on the inside. And good luck running on that front four because uh, Preston and Dean are going to set the edge, and then you're going to have to funnel everything to Kenny Clark and to Tyler Lancaster. Mike Daniels, and there is not going to be a ton of space to run in that front four. So uh, good luck to opposing offenses, and I think that that's something that that Preston Smith really brings to the table, but he's not just a run defender. Um, He wins very, very well at the point of attack with his hands. Um, he's not going to bend the corner or um, you know rush the passer from a speed rush type standpoint uh, very very well. And I guess here the main point I want to make is if you're looking for that um, you know Harold Landry type bend around the corner that that Gumby type ability that's not Preston Smith and that that's certainly one way to win getting to the quarterback, but it's it's not the only way. And what Preston Smith will do, he has a really, he has really long arms that he uses very well to strong arm defenders. Um, with his with his one long arm, well, he kind of gets to the quarterback and just kind of pushes them to the side and doesn't allow the offensive lineman to really get into his body. So that's one way he wins. He also surprisingly wins with quickness. And as I mentioned, he has that really high athletic score. But when you watch him, he's certainly more of a physical player than he is a straight speed rusher. But he will surprise offensive tackles with his quickness off the edge. And it's kind of like he comes at him with power, comes at him with power, comes at him with power again. And then all of a sudden, it's a quick speed rush, and they're not expecting it. And he he can get to the quarterback that way. And if he's anywhere in the radius of the quarterback, those massively long arms come into play again. And he's done that as well, where he's kind of got his long arms on quarterbacks and was able to bring them to the ground just with pure strength. So uh, he's a fun player to watch. Um, you probably don't want him dropping in coverage a ton, uh, but it's he could do it from time to time. Again, you don't want to make a habit out of it. He's kind of, to an extent, what, what the Packers were hoping Nick Perry would be. Again, really strong edge setter, fantastic run defender, can win with power, and every once in a while can win with that speed. Uh, like Nick Perry, not super bendy, uh, but uh, but again, a really good player. And, and the real difference here between him and Nick Perry is, again, that durability. Preston Smith playing in 64 of his last 64 games. Um, so really, really solid signing, again, for Brian Gutekunst and company. From a contract standpoint, four years, $52 million with a $16 million signing bonus, and again, $16 million guaranteed. That very first year of the deal, $6 million in the first year, immediately jumps to $13.5 million in the second year, $16 million in the third, and $16.5 million in the fourth year. Again, those outs are certainly in there again. $8 million out in year three and a $4 million out in year four. So again, in in year three, they basically have the choice of paying him $16 million to play or $8 million to cut him and $16.5 million to play in 2022 or just $4 million to cut him. So they're constantly giving themselves options in those third and fourth years. If the player's not turning out the way that they expected, they absolutely can get out of those deals. Um, Very similarly to how they built Jimmy Graham's contract from a season ago as well. If they were to uh, keep him on the team for just one year, he'd make basically $18 million for just that one year of play. For two years, it would be $27.5 million. 
three years, $39.5 million, and four years, of course, the full $52 million contract. So can break down in a variety of different ways. But again, likely, again, after that two-year out is where they're going to have those options, and it could potentially be that two-year $27.5 million deal at $13.75 million per year. That leaves us with Billy Turner. So Billy Turner is 27 years old. He is 6'5", 310 pounds. Uh, He's played in only 38 games over the course of the last four years, including starting in 25 of those. Um, So he hasn't played quite as much as some of the other players, not all necessarily due to injury or durability. He was more just kind of getting his feet under him and and really hasn't got a, a chance to, to fully start up until this last season really in Denver where he kind of was relied upon more as that starting caliber offensive lineman. Um, coming out of college, he had an 8.31 relative athletic score as a guard. That score drops a little bit if he plays at tackle. Um, and this past season, he had a 62.8 grade by Pro Football Focus. Um, he signed a four-year $28 million deal with a $9 million signing bonus and $9 million guaranteed. Um, We'll get into that in just a moment, but before I jump into the numbers, I kind of wanted to go over my tape a little bit. The reason I kind of wanted to go over those numbers first in this scenario is because I felt like this was a little bit of a reach for a contract for Billy Turner. And as Ross Uglum once again will point out, that is absolutely the going rate for a versatile, mediocre slash average to maybe slightly below average offensive lineman. That's the going rate. Uh, Today we just saw uh, Nick Easton, who's going to start at center for the Saints, get almost an identical contract. And uh, again, he's a a very similar type of player. He plays center, where obviously Turner does not. Turner's more of a guard tackle. Easton is a a center guard. But again, similarly, a, a versatile, mediocre to average to below average offensive lineman. This is the going rate for that type of player. No questions asked. But When I look at the tape, I saw a player certainly with solid athleticism. Um, He can definitely get out and block on the second level, has good movement skills. He's very Jekyll and Hyde, so you might see him pancake somebody on one play and then completely whiff on the next. Um, I watched his uh, Chargers tape, and he's completely manning up Joey Bosa on one play, and then a completely mediocre player beats him on the first step on another. So... Again, very Jekyll and Hyde, very up and down. He has some mental lapses. He's a very good scheme fit for the Packers offense and Matt LaFleur. Again, very, very versatile. He's played at every position along the offensive line in the NFL except for center. So that having that versatility is going to be uh, something that's very important and certainly something that they paid for. And again, while that $8 million per year basically for the next couple of years for Billy Turner is expensive... I think a lot of Packer fans, myself included, have been very frustrated with the lack of depth along the offensive line. And uh, certainly this last year, that was the case. This last year, it was basically an offensive line that was Bakhtiari, uh, Corey Lindsley, and then, you know, Brian Bulaga when he was healthy was certainly solid. Lane Taylor had his ups and downs. And then there was really nobody else. The starting right guard never panned out, and they didn't have depth anywhere else. So while the contract is a little bit expensive, getting a player who can come in and start in a pinch at all of those positions, certainly be an upgrade over Byron Bell, an upgrade over Justin McCray, an upgrade over Jason Spriggs, that's what they're really getting here in Billy Turner. Whether he can come in and start at right guard and be 
a $8 million player and be a really good right guard? I think that remains to be seen. I think at the last half of last year uh, for the Broncos, he was starting to come into his own a little bit more. And I think there are some promising signs there that maybe things were just finally starting to click. And it's certainly not out of the ordinary for a 27-year-old offensive lineman uh, that hasn't had a ton of opportunities to play to have things click at this point in their career. So there's hope there. I just do think that this is a little bit of a steep price to pay for a player that's probably never going to be a average starter in the NFL. Uh, and that was my, my bigger concern with this type of signing. When we, when we break it down, in 2019, he's going to make $4.25 million. In 2020, he's going to make $7.6 million. In 2021, he's going to make $8.0 million, or $8.05 million. And in 2022, he's going to make $8.1 million. Again, Green Bay can get out of it in 2021 by paying him $4.5 million and get out of it in 2022 by cutting him and having that $2.25 million cap hit. So again, once again, they've they've built in those options to get out of the contracts if they want. Uh, if he would only pay, play one year in Green Bay, uh, this upcoming season, he would make $11 million. And if he were to play two years, he'd make $16.35 million or approximately $8.2-ish million per year. If he were to play three years, he'd make $22.15 million, and in four years, he'd make $28 million, seen through the completion of that contract. So what did Green Bay get overall with these four players? I think it was fairly easy to see some of the things that Brian Gutekunst and company were targeting. First and foremost, all four were players 27 and under going into their second contract, and I think that's something that's very important to point out. You start getting to the, the third or fourth contract, and those contracts have the ability to decline very, very quickly. These are players that are over 30, maybe well over 30, and the return on investment ends up being a lot, lot less. So you're getting players who, again, are 25, 26, 27 years old, going into their second contract and they're their fifth or sixth year in the NFL. And uh, you certainly have the ability to still develop these type of players and they have a lot of their best football still ahead of them. You can also make a strong argument that these four players are all coming off the best seasons of their career. And I think that's an important uh, point to make as well. Certainly Zadarius Smith is. I think you can make a strong argument that Adrian Amos is. I think you can make a strong argument that Preston Smith is. And I would, you know, it's easy to argue that Billy Turner is also coming off his best year of his, his career so far. So these are players who are progressing now. Were they all also in contract years? Of course. Yes, they were. Did they have a little bit more motivation to be really good in those contract years? Contract years? Absolutely. But they are showing the, you know, more signs than they ever have in the past. And uh, I, I think all of them did have tape that was worthy of, of some fairly impressive contracts going into this next season. So uh, that's another huge aspect that they're getting with these four players. All four are very versatile. Again, Billy Turner can play all across the offensive line. Uh, Zadarius Smith can play all across the, the defensive line or, again, that outside linebacker slash, ed slash edge rusher position. Preston Smith can play either the, the left outside linebacker or the right outside linebacker at either edge positions. 
that may not seem like a lot, but having both of those players be able to play at multiple positions across the defensive line allows them to get matchups they like just a little bit more. Again, the offensive line's not switching their left tackle and right tackle around, uh, so you can kind of dictate matchups rather than the offensive line being able to dictate those matchups. All of them are durable players, so we kind of went through that. Again, Preston Smith being the, the shining star there, never missing a game. Uh, but all of these have really been durable players throughout the course of their career. They've all been very athletic players. Again, all of them had uh, very high relative athletic scores. Um, again, Zadarius Smith with a little asterisk there where he tested out better athletically on the interior than he did on the edge. But again, very athletic players overall. And, and maybe most importantly, players that fit well within the scheme and with what they're trying to accomplish. So I think that's ultimately what Green Bay got in these four players, and it's not hard to see what type of players that they were targeting going into this offseason. Last but not least, I just kind of wanted to take a quick look at some of the salary cap implications for this year and for next year. So by signing four players like this, of course, there's going to be some salary cap, you know, ramifications for for really replacing um, what ended up being a 2015 draft class that had nobody of value. And now nobody is left on the team from that 2015 draft class now that Jake Ryan has officially signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, this is really making up for that draft class. And uh, they get four players who are certainly going to come in and compete and um, play major minutes going into 2019. That 2019 cap hit is only $23.4 million combined. So you're looking at less than $6 million per player for these four players on average for this upcoming season. That's not bad. That's why that's what really gave them a lot of flexibility. They still have some cap room available to make a couple smaller moves if they want to. Of course, they were recently able to bring back Mercedes Lewis, Geronimo Allison. So they have that flexibility. They also had to keep some cap space open for those three top 50 picks. Uh, but I think, um, again, those small amounts are, are going to help them this year. But again, it comes with a cost in 2020 and in years going forward. Fast forward one year to 2020, and all four of those players combined next year in 2020 make $47 million total combined. At a estimated $200 million cap in 2020, that's basically 25% of the entire salary cap wrapped up in those four players alone. When you add in the contracts of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and David Bakhtiari, you have $110 million that is sunk into that salary cap with just seven players. So that's over half, over half of the salary cap just on seven players alone. So there is going to be some salary cap gymnastics that Brian Gutekunst is going to have to go through over the course of the next couple seasons. I'm not going to get into a super huge dive into salary cap numbers and structure. It's certainly not super conducive to a podcast episode, but I want to mention here that 2020 is going to be a very interesting year. Look for a Aaron Rodgers renegotiation of his contract to start maybe potentially uh, building some of that cap into later years, kind of what the Saints have done with Drew Brees. Uh, there's easy outs with Jimmy Graham and Lane Taylor in their contracts next year. If they don't perform up to up to par, those are two contracts that you would expect Green Bay to try to get out of very easily. 
Um, new contracts, Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, and Corey Lindsley, all three will technically be under contract uh, going into next season, into 2020, uh, but restructuring all three of those, signing them to longer term deals and giving them shorter, smaller cap hits in 2020 could be something that frees up salary cap space. Uh, they could look to do the same with Devontae Adams as well. And then last but not least, they're going to have some major decisions to make on Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell, Dean Lowry, uh, certainly the right tackle position with Brian Bulaga probably being, you know, probably playing his last year in Green Bay, uh, kicker with Mason Crosby, Geronimo Allison, Mike Daniels. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make and not a lot of money to play with, with those players who will no longer be under contract. All this goes to say, that what Brian Gutekunst did this past week by signing these four players and what he's going to do in April with three top 50 picks is going to absolutely almost make or break this Green Bay Packer team through the course of these next couple seasons. He's not going to have a ton of flexibility to make a bunch of splash moves again next free agency if these don't work out. At some point, the Green Bay Packers are going to need the players that they sign and draft to develop the way that they are expected to. This is a huge, huge month and a half. Again, going back to the the four free agent signings they just made, and again those top three, um, you know, fifty picks in the draft coming up. Green Bay needs an influx of young, talented, cheap players. Right now, they've got Aaron Jones, they've got Jair Alexander. And that's kind of it from a top-end talent standpoint of players who are young and still on very cheap contracts and have shown the ability uh, to play at a very high level. The rest of their high-end players are on their second contracts already um, or are going to be getting paid very, very soon. So that's why Green Bay has to draft very, very well. I think that goes without saying pretty much any year, but it certainly seems so much more this year without having a ton of flexibility going into 2020. They've given a lot of that salary cap away already. It's so important that they're going to be able to hit on the draft in this upcoming month. So um, yeah, we're going to have you covered here on the Pack-A-Day podcast, covering you on where they should head, what direction they should go in. And uh, it's, it's needless to say that what Brian Gutekunst will do with that type of ammunition will go along way in deciding the the near future of this Green Bay Packers franchise. So before I let you go for today, um, I do want to mention to sign up for the Pack-A-Day Podcast NCAA Tournament Challenge. Uh, That will be bookmarked on our Twitter handle, uh, but you can just go to ESPN.com and look for the Pack-A-Day Podcast group. Uh, We will be giving away a $50 gift card to the winner, to the uh, the Packer Pro Shop. Um, All of the people on the podcast will be participating, so see if you can beat us, uh, see if you are up to the challenge course on Wisconsin, go Marquette. I know you're not supposed to like both of those, but I do, you know, so sue me. I'm from Green Bay. I love all four teams in the state and uh, I'll definitely be cheering uh, for both Marquette and the Badgers coming up this, uh, this upcoming March Madness. So make sure to go to ESPN and join that public group and see if you can take the Pack-A-Day podcast team down. Uh, a few other notes on our upcoming schedule. I'm uh, super excited uh, that we've got a couple new names that are going to be joining us here in the near future. Uh, March is get basically going to stay on as normal, so uh, no major updates uh, or schedule changes coming up in March. Um, in April, though, we are going to have a little bit of a change in schedule, and that's to give you the best NFL draft coverage as we possibly can. 
Um, some of our, our podcast hosts are, are more focused on, you know, in season and the players on the team and a variety of different areas. And we've got some play, you know, people who are, are very, uh, you know, involved in the NFL draft. A lot of us are involved in the Cheesehead TV draft guide, uh, but we're going to be adding Owen Reese and Russell Brown to uh, people who are very intricately involved in the NFL draft process. So they're going to be coming on for the month of April. I think you're really going to enjoy their analysis. Um, I'll always be talking still on Mondays, uh, breaking down the draft uh, coming up in April. Jake and Ross, who again know the draft in and out, will be going every Tuesday. Nick Schmitz will be joined by Owen and Russell every Wednesday. That's going to be a really great team to pay attention to come draft time. Um, Steve Dusty and Tyler will be working together every other Thursday, uh, mirrored by Dan Kotnick, Chris Schimmel, and Matt Fralick. They'll be going the other Thursday. Those are going to be great teams to to have on and, and listen to from draft coverage standpoint. Um, Andrew and Kyle will continue every Friday. Jake and Mark and Mike and Tyler will continue to alternate every Saturday. And of course, Jacob Westendorf and Zach Jacobson will continue their every Sunday schedule as well. So we have you 100% covered up and coming for the NFL draft. We're super pumped. And as I just mentioned, this is going to be a huge, huge draft for the Packers. So we're going to have you covered with everything in April for sure. In May, we'll go back to our normal schedule. Steve Dusty and Sarah are going to start going every Thursday at that time. And Dan Kotnick, Chris Schimmel, and uh, Josh Zirkel will actually be forming kind of a new unit that will go every other Wednesday as well. So some other cool things to look forward to. Again, we've got a lot of awesome draft coverage coming your way. Make sure to sign up for the uh, Pack-A-Day podcast bracket challenge. You'll want to take me down. You won't be able to, but give it your best shot anyway. And last but not least, a huge thank you to our listeners who make this all possible. You're an amazing group. You give us such great feedback. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we just really appreciate you so incredibly much. So thank you for everything that you do. Make sure to give Matt and Janelle a listen to tomorrow as they continue our breakdown of the Packers offseason. Follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap, rushes on, Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down to 19 from the Green Bay 30, snap to Kaiser under pressure, immediately dumps it up right side, it's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15, to the 10. He's to the 5 of the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack's had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lawson deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. 
And what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. To Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cuts left to the 5, reaches Highline, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on.